Good morning. How's everybody doing? Thank you. Thank you. You guys having a good time? These guys are awesome, aren't they? Um, let me tell you a little something. Uh, I've been preaching since I was 12 years old, and uh, today is probably one of the most difficult messages that I've ever had to put together. And, and here's the reason why. Um, people have like this like weird concept of pastors, right? Um, and I'll give you an example. I live here in Miami Lakes, and my Publix is the one on Miami Lakes Drive and uh, 67th. I don't know if anybody else goes there. Um, and uh, I go there a couple times a week, and every single time I go there, I bump into like two or three people from the church, right? And, uh, and the question that everybody says or the reaction that I get every time they see me, they're like, hey, what are you doing here? And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm doing my groceries, same thing you're doing here. Like, people think that I like vanish right after... Sunday, and then I reappear like Saturday, get ready for church. And, uh, and here's a, another great example. Is this week, I took the youth group um, at our church to see the Hillsong United movie on Wednesday night. Yeah, great movie. And, uh, and people were walking up to me and being, man, it's just so weird to see you just hanging out with your wife, you know? And I looked at them, and I'm like, man, I'm a regular guy. I'm a normal guy. I'm, I'm just like you. And, and I'm sure that after today, and here's the reason why it was such a difficult message, after I share my intro with you guys, you guys are going to think like he is just like us. I can't believe it. And, and here's the reason. Um, I have this neighbor, right? And uh, he makes my life miserable. He loves to mess with me. I mean, you know what my housewarming gift was when I first moved into my house? All right, I, I bought this like slinky type of uh, uh, hose, water hose. Because I didn't want to have to be wrapping it around. I didn't want to get one of those crank things. So I got this slinky one. Anybody ever seen one of the slinky ones? And I put it in front of my house. And I come out to water my garden. And it's not there. Two days later, I'm walking my dog. And my slinky hose is like in another house. And uh, then that's nothing. That's nothing. He replants the plants in my house. He moves them around wherever he wants. Even worse than that, when his plants begin to die, you know what he does? He plants them in front of my house on garbage day. You know, everybody has their own house, their own space, you know, your own lot and plot and all that. And he puts his garbage in front of my house. I mean, it just drives me crazy. And on top of that, he has this whole, like, pack of dogs, okay? And his dogs pee and poop all over my stuff. I mean, they pee and poop on my dock in the back of my house. I mean, it, it, it's just like, ah. Uh, sometimes I feel that, like, my six sisters, they, like, they're in cahoots with him, and they call him up, and they're like, hey, look, drive him crazy today, you know? On the day I least expect it, I mean, he's like, there. I mean, it's something. I mean, it's always something. And I live in this, like, townhouse community type of deal, and, uh, and where I live, the association doesn't let you have your garbage exposed. Right? That's a great rule. I love it. I'm glad I'm not walking around. It doesn't look like Sanford and Son, you know, my neighborhood. And, uh, but there's a problem. If you can't have it outside and it can't be exposed, there's not that much place to put it, you've got to find somewhere in your house to keep it. And for the first couple of years of marriage, it wasn't a big deal. We kept it in the laundry room. We, we tied everything tight, had a, a nice loft uh, a garbage can in there, and, and it worked for us. I mean, it wasn't ideal. But then we had kids. And let me tell you about kids. They poop a lot. And they poop in their pants. And then you got to clean it. And you guys know the drill. You keep it. You throw it in the garbage. And man, it was my house. Smelled. Not that my house smelled. But we're keeping this stuff in the laundry room. And so we're walking around smelling like poopy diapers, you know. And enough was enough. 
And so I, I said, babe, you know, we got to figure something out. And I walk outside of my house, and there's this area in front of my house. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to plant a hedge, right? I'll plant a hedge, and we'll just put the trash can back there. It's not visible. It'll work. And so I went to the nursery. I bought a bunch of trees. I, I got all my man gear. You know, I'm not really like the gardening type, but I got gloves, and I got the hat, and and uh, I put my iPod on, and I started digging this trench, and I dig the trench, and I plant the trees, and I look, and I'm like, man, they're, they're not thick enough, you know, it's not covering. And I talk to a couple people that I know that are in the lawn business, and they're like, no, you got to give the hedge some time to mature. And so I'm like, here we go, you know. And so I, I plant this hedge, and I water it, I fertilize it, I trim it. I'm watching it grow. I mean, I'm obsessing about this hedge. And every night before I went to sleep, I'd water it, and one night, but a couple weeks after, um, I have planted this hedge. I'm, I'm watering a hedge, and I'm doing this every day, remember. And um, I hear a sound that I don't usually hear. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And I'm here watering. I mean, what is that? And um, I look behind the hedge, and there's this plastic bag behind the hedge. And I'm thinking, like, oh, when am I going to get a break from this guy? And I go back there, you know, I... I'm in, like, my pajama pants and flip-flops. I go back there, and, and I, I grab this bag. And all of this nasty, rotting, wet food, like, go, gets all over my hands. And I'm like, oh, I got so mad. I said, this is it. This is not going to happen. Today, I'm going to put an end to this. And I grab all this nasty, rotten food, and I walk over to his house, and I spread the entire contents of this bag all over the front of his driveway. I mean, I made sure I spread it out nice and even all over the front of his driveway. And as I'm walking away, I'm like, he's never going to mess with me again. And I, I walk into my house, I close the door, and then I begin to think, man, I probably shouldn't have done that, right? And uh, like three days go by, and I haven't seen him. I get home from work, and he's outside watering his garden and stuff. And, and uh, he gives me this weird look. And he doesn't say anything. I give him a weird look back. I'm looking at him like, don't mess with me, bro, you know? And, uh, and I, I keep walking, and, and uh, I walk into my house, and I'm like, he's never going to mess with me. He learned his lesson. And then about a week later, um, my brother-in-law, David, is there in my house, and my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, Lily, that's them, David, bass player, Lily, keyboards, children's ministry and stuff. They're at my house. And... Um, uh, David, you know, every time they come over, they're hungry. It's like something, they're hungry, they come to my house. I really understand. But they help with the kids, so I feed them. And, uh, and so we order takeout. And um, we go to get it. I go to my room to get my wallet. When I walk out, David's gone. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, where's David? Outside. So I go outside, and I find David checking on my, my hedge. And I'm like, check it out, bro, you know. And I'm, I'm like proud of my hedge. I'm like, one of the few like dirty manly things that i do and he's like what do you think i'm like what do you he's like yeah it looks good man it looks good and he's still like looking at my head i'm like i'm like bro what are you doing he's like man last week when we were here we we're going out on a date and when i get in the car the car stinks and i look in the back seat and lily had left food in the back of the car and i'm like we're going out so i just grabbed it and i put it behind your head i grabbed the back i'm like you're kidding me right I'm, I'm thinking he probably saw me do it. He's trying to play a joke on me now, like make me feel guilty. And I'm like, you're kidding me, right? He's like, no, 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 man. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. He's thinking oh, I'm getting mad at him because he's messing with my house. You know? He's like, I really meant to come back like that day and throw it away or whatever, but I forgot. And I'm like, no, bro. And I told him what I had done. It was his bag. 
of nasty, rotting food. And, and I told him what I had done. And, I, and at that moment, I felt so stupid. I'm like, I can't believe that I just did that. And here's the thing. We've all been driven by anger before. I mean, something or someone took us to a point in our life when we lost it. When we lost it and they got the brunt of our anger, the brunt of how we feel. And in retrospect, we look back and we're thinking, man, why did I do that? How could I have been so stupid? How could I have been so insensitive? How could I have been so mean? And I love the way the book of Proverbs says it, Proverbs 29, 11. It says, don't be a fool and quickly lose your temper. Be sensible and patient. God is telling you here, don't be stupid. Relax. Don't lose your cool. Okay? Don't be a fool. Be sensible and be patient. What gets you angry? Come on, tell me. Shout it out. What gets you mad? Let me know. Bills. What else? Huh? People that drive slow. My husband. I heard that. Her mom. Anybody else? School. Give me something juicy, man. The cafeteria? Nerds? Did somebody say nerds? Come on, man. Don't. Victor? All right, all right. See, everybody gets mad. Everybody has something in their life that gets them really, really mad. But here's the thing. Everyone gets mad, and we express our anger in two ways. Every single person expresses it in one way or another. You're either an exploder, right? We know a couple of exploders, right? Or you're an imploder. The exploder, we know them. You get them mad and immediately they let you know how they feel. You, you step on them, they step back on you. You punch them, they punch them back. You honk on them and they chase you. I mean, they're, whoa, you know, they're giving you all these sign language things like, why'd you honk at me, you know? And then the imploders, you get them mad and they just smile and walk away. And I don't know about you, but that freaks me out. All right. I know I did something that bugged someone and they just walk in. And I'm like, they're going to get me when I'm not looking, but they are going to get me. And, and, and here's the thing. Um, I want to do a test with you guys. You guys already, we warmed up. We, we know each other. You, I know that your husbands get you mad and, and your bosses and, and nerds. Um, and, uh, and here's... Here's the thing. I want all the exploders in the room at the count of three, one, two, three, to say the word no. Are you ready? You ready? Hello? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, you're going to say no. Exploders only. One, two, three. No. Beautiful. And now imploders. One, two, three. No. You see what I mean? Exploders. No. Yeah. You see, exploders, they just know how to explode. They know how to let it out. They know how to let you know how they feel. And the imploders are, they're like walking time bombs. They're just walking around. And, and you know, maybe some of you grew up with a mom. I, I didn't go that much on mom because my mom was sitting here in the first service. But some of you probably have like a mom that's an imploder. Right? And, and you're beating up your siblings. You're talking back. You're slamming doors. You're not doing your chores. And... Nothing happens. And all your friends are like, oh, your mom is so cool. You know? And then you get home with an A, and you go, Mom, I got an A. Wah! And it's like, but Mommy, I got an A. And you're like, yeah, but last week, this is what you did. 
You know? So we all know the imploders. The imploders are scary people. But here's the thing. An exploder, they'll just kill you, and you can't live to say they're scary. Um, here's the thing. We've all admitted. We've all admitted that we get mad. We've realized by the sounding of your nose that, that everyone is either an exploder or an imploder. We all get mad, and there's nothing wrong with anger. It's how you deal with your anger. And I'm going to share a part of the Bible with you right now that I just don't want you to, like, memorize this. I want you to say, this is going to be how I'm going to live my life. I want you to put your connection cards out. And this is your memory verse for today. So I do want you to memorize it, but I don't want it to stop there. I want you to say, I'm going to live my life this way. And it's found in, in the book of Ephesians Chapter 4, verses 26 to 27, it says this, Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil an opportunity. What we're going to do here is we're going to break this, this part of the Bible up into three sections. The first part is, be angry, but do not sin. The second part is, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And the third part is, do not give the devil an opportunity. See, the Apostle Paul is sharing with the church in Ephesus, and what he's sharing, it's nothing new. He's actually quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting Psalm 4, verse 4, where it says, Be angry, but do not sin. And honestly, I love that first part of the, of the Scripture. Be angry. Be angry. I'm, I'm following the Word of God. Be angry. Let me tell you something. A couple months ago, I went on vacation with my family. And um, it was right after summer had ended, the first week of school, and um, this summer was like, I worked a lot this summer. Pastor Bob and Carrie had a baby, so I was filling in here on Sunday morning, still doing my responsibilities in the office. And um, we actually threw this huge camp um, for us in, in uh, his house children's home. And we had never done anything like that before. Every year, kids pay. We drive to Daytona Beach. We spend the week there, have a great time. I drive back pretty much. I'm a glorified bus driver until this year. We worked really hard to make this happen. It was a success, Right? And then we revamped our youth ministry, completely changed the way we do ministry, changed where we meet, and God's blessing that. But that was a lot of work. And not only did I, was I tired, but my family didn't get much time with me because I would get home and pass out, or I would get home really late. And, um, and here's the thing. I, I told my wife, you know what, babe? Let's get out of here. Let's go on vacation. And she's like, well, we didn't really plan it, and so we'll go. We'll be on a budget. And so we went on vacation on a budget. And uh, we got hooked up with a nice resort. We had a great time. But here's the thing. We have a, a four-door car, right? And um, if we go in a four-door car, it's going to be kind of tight. So usually we rent a car. But this time around, my buddy's like, dude, just take my car. And I'm like, yes, he has like a really nice car. And, um, and so I, I went in his car. We came back from our vacation after having a blast in Marco Island. And um, we get back. I call my buddy up. I'm like, we're home. Let's hook up so I can give you back your car. And um, he was busy, and finally it was like midnight, and he calls me up and says, all right, bring it. I'm like, all right, dude. And so um, I'm like, I, I don't really know how to get to where you live. You just moved. He's like, just press home on the navigation system. He had an in-dash navigation system, real fancy car. So I hit home, and this woman starts talking to me, robotic woman. He's single, and so he needs a robotic woman to tell him where to go. I'm married. And so, you know, my wife is like, you're going too fast, you're going too slow, you just ran over a kid. I mean, she's like, there, but, but no, here I had this robotic woman telling me where to go. Back to the story. I get really close to where he lives, and it's really dark. I mean, I was like a couple blocks away, super dark, never been in this neighborhood at this time. Lights, 
turned off, big trees. And I'm about a block away from his house. I'm like looking at the navigation system because I don't want to get lost. And all of a sudden, I see cop lights. And I'm thinking like, oh, no, man. So the guy pulls me over. I'm like, ah, he's probably just suspicious. I'll, you know, tell him I'm a pastor. He'll let me go. And um, he walks up to the car, slams the door of his car, starts yelling at me. Ah! And I'm like, dude, chill, man. And he's like, you just took a stop sign. I'm like, oh, officer, I'm so sorry. You know, um, I didn't mean to do that. You know, I'm thinking the guy's going to let me go. He keeps screaming at me. And then he goes, uh, do you have a record? And I'm like, no, man, I'm clean as a whistle. And he said, not anymore. And he walked away, went to his car, came back, and gave me a $300 ticket. I mean, I was like, ugh. I borrowed my buddy's car to save money from renting a car or whatever. And here I get a $300 ticket a block away from his house. Okay? I mean, I was angry. I was so mad. I was like, oh! And here's the thing. All of us get angry. See, if you don't have anger, that means you don't have passion. You don't have conviction. If you don't get angry, that means you don't have an opinion. If you don't get angry, do yourself a favor right now. Just check your pulse. That means you're not here if you, don't, if you don't get angry, that means that you are dead. Check the obituary. See, I love the first part of the, of the verse that says be angry. But then right after that, there's this humongous but. There's this like big but. This is like one of the big buts in the Bible. And this one is a biggie. It says be angry but do not sin. Be angry but deal with your anger before it gets ugly. That's what it means. Don't let the sun go down while you're so angry. This is very, very, very practical. Be angry, but don't allow your anger to open a door for the devil to walk through and use you. See, anger requires a response. But when your response hurts somebody else, when your response wounds even yourself, the devil, you just gave the devil an opportunity. See, when sin happens, the devil is glorified. And some of you guys are like, the devil? This is my first time here. I've never been here before. Who's the devil? Or I didn't think they were going to talk about the devil. Or maybe, you know, you just started reading your Bible and you're not too keen on who the devil is. I brought you the cliff notes on the devil. The devil is bad. Okay? So when you hear the word devil, when you hear me mention the devil or the enemy of God, just think bad, horrible. I love the way John 10.10 describes it. It says, the devil comes only to kill, to steal, and destroy. And what we're looking at here is there is a spiritual battle that is going on between God and the devil for your soul and for your actions and the things that you do. And I've read the entire book. I've read it to the very end. And let me tell you something. At the end of the book, this devil, this scary guy, this bad guy, he loses. El Diablo loses. He loses. But right now, he can use your anger for his good. And what the Apostle Paul is trying to warn us is that the devil's character can be reproduced when our anger turns into sin. And it makes me sad to think that something that I can do can glorify the devil. It makes me sad that the way that I act and the way that I could treat somebody else brings glory to the enemy of God. And here is the truth. We were not designed for that. God did not design us for that. God designed us to bring glory and honor to His name. God designed us to be His hands and His feet in this world and His loving arms, not to be an instrument 
of the devil. God designed us so that when people would look at us, they would say, hey, you know what? I want to be like Jesus. I need more of Jesus in my life. You see, I want you guys to walk out of here today completely different. I want, you guys, I want you guys to walk out of here, not just memorizing a verse, but saying, this verse is my life. This verse, this part of the Bible is how I live. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. But I want to give you one more verse. It's found in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 20. It says, anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. The purpose that you have here on earth is not to be angry. It's not to be hurting people or to be hurting yourself. Now let's put these two verses together. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on you when you're angry. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires for you. I mean, it's pretty clear. When my anger wounds someone or wounds myself, that's not the righteous life that God has designed for us. That's not the righteous life that God desires for us. Let's say if I were to ask you today, if I were to ask each of you today individually, hey, you know what, let's go to Starbucks. Starbucks right there, Miami Lakes Drive, let's head over there. And we have an in-depth conversation, we have a deep conversation about life. And we start talking about what we want our life to be characterized by. What we want people to know us for. When people think of us, when people hear our name, this is what we want them to think of. I'm sure that nobody's going to say, I want them to think of me as an angry person. Nobody here is going to say, man, I want people when they hear my name to be, man, I never want to be around him or her again. That's not the desire of anyone's heart. The desire of our heart is to be someone that everybody loves. That when people hear our name, our legacy would be, man, he was a good person. She was a great person. That is the true desire of our heart, that the actions that we have do not bring glory to God's enemy, but that the, our actions and the way that we treat each other would bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? When we get angry. How do we do that when anger is a normal emotion? How do we do that when we've all admitted today that we get angry? How do you deal with anger? What do you do when you get mad? How do you respond to anger? Do you respond in a way that brings glory to God or do you respond in a way where the enemy wins? See, one of our responses can bring delight to Satan and one of our responses can bring delight to God. When you get ticked off, and resentment sets in. And revenge takes over. And hatred, you know the cycle. And then there's pain and bondage. This is where anger gets ugly. And it consumes you. And you get explosive. I mean, it can happen to anyone. It can happen real fast. Or it can happen real slow. But it's going to happen. How about this? How about if there was a secret camera that followed you wherever you went? Secret camera. You didn't even know about it. It's following you wherever you went. And I can tell Pedro back there. Pedro's the one that controls the screens here. Hi, Pedro. And I can say, Pedro, show me his movie right now. Show me the last time he got mad. I, I want to see it. I want everyone to see it. And we can see how your face transformed. The words that come out of your mouth. The way that you throw things. The way that you hit things. How about if I go say, Pedro, show me her movie right now. 
I want to hear the conversations that she has. I want to look into her mind. This is like a super, super special. I want to hear the thoughts. I want to hear the way that she talks to her kids, the way she hits her kids, the way she gossips about people at work just to get them back, the lies that she spreads. I want to see that. I want everyone to see that. I don't know about you, but that freaks me out. That that were to be possible, a little secret camera following me around, looking at everything that I'm doing. So some of you are violent like that. Some of you are like, man, yeah, man, that's me. That's, that's the way I act. I get mad. I throw things or, you know, I, I say things that I don't mean. And others of you are thinking, no, I'm more mature than that. I don't respond that way, you know. But let, let me tell you something. What happens when you don't respond that way, those of you that think you're more mature, what's really happening is you're imploding. And this thing is festering in you. This small little thing is blown up into this huge conspiracy theory inside of your mind. And let me tell you something. It is going to leak. There is no exception. I don't care whether you explode or implode. Anger is going to get out. Anger is going to get out. And today we've learned that there has to be a better response. Because you know what? We all do it. Everybody gets angry. God, help us find a way. To respond to anger. If I'm going to get angry, help me find a way to respond to anger in a way that brings glory to you. And it's the first thing that I want you guys to fill in in your outline. How do I respond to anger in a way that brings glory to God? The first thing that you need to do is don't deny it. Don't deny it. Admit that you get mad. We all get mad. All of us have moments of weaknesses. Everyone hates it when the person behind them honks their horn two seconds after the light turns green. Okay? I've been driving for 15 years and I've never seen anyone go, yes! You know, this dude in back. Everybody hates that, man. Everybody hates that. Everybody has moments like me when you just want to grab that bag of rotting food and throw it in front of your neighbor's house and you make a fool of yourself. Everybody has those moments. And let me, let me say something. Um, Christians don't... Don't, uh, don't spiritualize this, please. You know, I mean, there's nothing that grosses me out more than, than when I'm talking to a Christian and they're like, I'm a Christian. I don't get angry. You know what that does? That makes me want to vomit in my mouth when I hear that. You get angry. Everybody gets angry. I get angry. Jesus got angry in John chapter 2. Another thing that, that I want to ask you to please don't do, don't announce it. Okay? Don't be like, I'm so angry, I want to scream. I'm so angry, I want to rip your head off. I'm so angry. Because ah. you know what happens when, when you're saying, I'm so angry, you know what? You want to go scream, scream. But don't involve other people in your stupidity. Don't announce it because when you announce it, what you're doing is that you are creating fear. When you're announcing it is that you're threatening people. You know me. You know how I can get. You know the way that I, I mean, or you know me. I mean, I don't just want to talk like a man. Women, women get angry too and announce it. They, well, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to get you. You know, you know the way I get when I get mad. Don't announce it because when you announce it, the enemy just won. Anger requires a response. You get angry and you're going to respond. And this is how you need to respond. Number two, delay it. You get angry, delay it. We need to decide, is our anger, is our anger going to bring pain or is our anger going to bring peace? Is the way that I act, the way that I treat others when I get angry, is it going to bring pain or is it going to bring peace? You know, you know what we need to do? One of the practical things we could do when we get angry, a way to delay it is change your environment. 
Let me just change it. You know what the number one thing that men do when they get angry, they want to change environments, they jump in the car. And they want to drive. Real smart, guys. You're angry. You jump in a car. You start speeding and driving around. No wonder we have so much road rage in Miami, right? Women, obviously, a lot more, a lot smarter than men. Uh, you know what the number one thing that women do is eat, right? They, they grab a bucket of ice creams and in front of the TV, and they're like, you know, they start, they start eating. And here's the thing. Do something. Do something to delay it. Count to 10, count to 10,000, do something. But we know this all too well. Sometimes we start to delay it, right? We go to another room or we send the kids to their room or, or whatever it may be. But then what happens is our mind takes over. And in our mind, we start saying, man, if I could just get on my own, you know. Or we start thinking like, ah, I, I should have said this. And, and when he said that or when she said that, I, I should have said this to them. You know, they're always picking on me. And you start building this conspiracy theory of how the world is against you and everybody is against you. And you change your environment, but it didn't work. Or some of you change your environment and, and, and sadly there's like an innocent person in the other environment and you take it out on them. You know, or you had a bad day at work or a bad day in traffic. You get home and your family's like, and you're like, ah! you know, and you're attacking your mom and your dad and, and you're attacking your kids and, and ah, you guys, you're driving me crazy. And they're like, dude, you just walked in. You know what I mean? You just walked in. And, and we change environments and then innocent people, innocent people get the brunt of our anger. You see, with this step, for this step to be successful, what it requires is patience. Oh, Mark, I don't have patience. Hey, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've, if you've decided to give your heart to Jesus and follow God and be like God, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is living in you, and one of the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Okay, so you do have patience. You have all the patience that you ever would need and what you need to do in moments like this is draw on god's patience and cry out to god and say god i can't do this without you give me your patience give me the strength and then once we delay it we can do the third thing we can define it we can define what it is that is making us angry because you see anger is not the primary emotion is not the first emotion anger is a response to the way that you feel. Anger is a response to fear. It's, re- it's a response to feeling hurt or being frustrated. You see, when you feel any of these things, when somebody hurts you, when somebody disrespects you, when somebody frust- frustrates you or scares you, you get scared, anger comes out. See, there's always something underneath. Maybe for you, it's none of that stuff. It's, a, it's a, something that happened in your life. And, and, and this thing has messed you up and it scarred you, but there is always something underneath. See, as far as I can remember, my entire childhood, I loved the ocean. I, I loved the beach. It brought back great memories. My dad would take me fishing, and, and we'd have a great time. We wouldn't catch anything, but we'd have a great time. I loved the ocean. My bedroom, if you go to my, the house that I grew up in, and you walk into my bedroom, it's like a museum of Mark, and my furniture's still there, and it's all this, like, sea stuff. My, my nightstand is like a little boat. But one day I decided to take my love for the ocean a step further. And I got one of these. I got a snorkel and a mask. And I got on a boat and I put this on and I decided to see what lied underneath the surface. And this morning, we need to put on a spiritual mask and we need to look 
and figure out what is it that is getting me angry? What is it that is frustrating me? What is it that is hurting me? What is it that is making me react this way? You see, when you define it, now you can deal with it. When you know what it is, now you can deal with it. Now you can say, this is what's triggering me. This is what's making me mad. And then you can go to the fourth step, which is diffuse it. Diffuse it is a great word. It basically means deal with it. It doesn't mean explode. It means diffuse it. Don't let it explode. You put it to rest. You put it to rest. And you don't give the devil an opportunity to win. See, this is what it means in the Bible when it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. That's what it means. Deal with it. Diffuse it. This is a principle that I put into my personal marriage. I've been married for almost seven years. And for seven years, not one time have I gone to sleep without making sure that there is peace between me and my wife. There have been nights that we haven't solved the problem. A few times we've gone to sleep, there's peace, we haven't solved it, and we're like, you know what, tomorrow, let's go to lunch, let's deal with it. Let's solve this issue. But you know what? We diffuse it. We don't let the sun go down on our anger. This point, what it means... It means don't nurse it to ugliness. Don't nurse it until it festers and gets nasty. See, when you diffuse it and you wait some time, you can clearly communicate what you have to say. And you don't express it in anger. You can say things in terms that you're able to define. You say, this is my frustration. This is my fear. This is where I got hurt. And now you can say things, you know, what I really want to tell you is I was hurt by this situation. Instead of saying, you know what? You drive me crazy. You know, you make me so mad. You've ruined my life. You know, you say all these things that most of the time you don't mean. I can't stand you. But when you diffuse it, you're able to communicate in a way that you can solve the issue so that it doesn't happen anymore. And little by little, it stops happening. Because now the other person has come to an understanding with you and has realized this is what gets them upset. And you're able to prove this biblical principle that is Pass the test of time. The book of Proverbs, chapter 15, verse 1, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It says, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. I mean, these are things that, that have passed the test of time. This is vintage wisdom. You know what wisdom is? Real simple. Vintage wisdom. The wisdom of God. It's God's way of protecting your life. This is God saying, I want to protect you. I want you to be happy. I want you to have incredible relationships. I want you to be successful when it comes to business. I want you to be, have great kids and be a great parent, be a great son, a great daughter. This is God's way of protecting you. This vintage wisdom. And when you get to this point that you diffuse it, you deal with it, you live by these principles, you can come to the fifth one. And it is deliver it to God. You know what it is? Some of you have been thinking about it the entire message. It's this. It's this person. It's this situation. It's this feeling. Maybe it's a particular thing that happened to you when you were growing up. Your parents divorced. Whatever it may be. Something. 
Something has put this inside of you that when whatever happens, you just explode. And you say things you don't mean. And you're hurt. And what you need to do today is say, God, I deliver it to you. God, I offer it up to you. Psalms 5, 55, 22 says this, Cast your burdens upon me, and I will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. I love the way the message translation says it. Pile your troubles on God's shoulders, and he'll carry your load. He'll help you out. He'll never let good people topple into ruin. Pile your troubles on God's shoulders today. Don't let another day go by. Living life outside of the design of God, the purpose that God has for your life is not to be angry. The purpose, the reason that you are here, that you're alive, that you're breathing is not to be an angry person, but to be living lives that glorify God. To be treating people in a way that glorifies God. To love your wife and your husband in a way that brings glory and honor to God. In a way that your kids would say, I want to be just like mom and dad. Children, love your parents. There's some of you that got serious issues with your parents and you're holding this grudge and, 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 and it's ruining you. It's strangling you. It's hurting all of your relationships. This is, this is seeping to all of your relationships. Deliver it to God. Jesus said, come to me, all who are tired and have heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, hey, if you want to try it. No, he said, come. Come to me. I'm going to ask the band to come forward. and We're going to dim the lights, and we're going to have a time of prayer. There's going to be pastors up here and leaders that are going to come, and, and they can pray for you. But take this opportunity to offer it up to God. I'm so passionate about this topic because anger will ruin you. Anger will kill you. Anger will destroy you. And if you don't die because of your anger and you don't kill somebody because of your anger, you're going to end up alone for the rest of your life because nobody wants to be around you. If your life is characterized by anger, you're going to die alone in your bed by yourself because no one's going to stand you. I love the way Job says it. Job chapter 5, verse 2, it says, The hot temper of a fool eventually kills him. There's no way around it. The hot temper of a fool will eventually kill him. And so today what we got to do is just say, God, I give it up to you. In just a moment, the lights are going to turn off. And um, the band's going to play. And we're going to pray. And we're going to say, God, this is it. God, this is the one thing. Or these are the things that are hurting me. These are the things that are hurting my family. These are the things that are keeping me from excelling in my career, excelling in my studies. This is it. And I want to deliver it to you, God. I don't want my hot temper to ruin me. I don't want my hot temper to kill me. I don't want my hot temper to, to be go on from generation to generation through my children, through my grandchildren. Today, I am drawing a line in the sand, and the anger ends today. 
The resentment ends today. That pain that I have ends right now. You can have freedom. You can have the peace of God and live a life that honors God. You're able to live a life the way that God designed you to live it. He made you for something else and it wasn't to be angry and it wasn't to be miserable and it wasn't to be sad and depressed. He made you. In His design, in His image, He made you so that when people look at you, they would see His Son, Jesus Christ. When people hear you, that they would hear His words. When people see the way that you love your children and your wife, that they would say, I need that. I need that. I need that desperately. That is your design. To bring glory and honor and praise, not just to sing songs, not just to come to church. You were designed to live a life that is the most beautiful worship song to God. You are the most beautiful instrument that any eye has ever seen. And you're not playing the song that God designed you to play. But today we can change all that. Today we can say, God, God, I deliver it to you. God, I, I lay my pain, I lay my hurt, my frustration, my past, and I lay it at your feet. I put it on your shoulders. George is going to sing this song called, Oh, You Bring. And as he sings it, I, I want to challenge you to stand up and, and come and ask for prayer. Maybe your problem is with someone that is in this room. Make peace with them. Stand up and worship God. Kneel down and cry in His presence. Go off to maybe another part of this auditorium and just deliver it to God. Dear Lord, we come before you right now and, and I just pray that you would break pride right now. You would break that pride that entangles us and suffocates us and keeps us from living life the way you designed us. And that we would deliver whatever makes us mad and brings glory to the enemy and not to you. That we would bring that to you right now Lay it on your shoulders and enjoy life. And enjoy our friends. And enjoy our family. Help us, God. Help us, Jesus.